Well, the first time in like three months, we finally have everyone here. Boys are back. <laughs> only took us, only took us, only took us like a month to actually get everyone back in order. We had one guy sleep in, then the next week we had the other guy sleep in. I'm the only <laughs> one on time. Yeah. Um, but that's because I work early. But that's because I mean, oh, we'll be all work early in the morning. But I have a job that I'm up for. So. Hey man, I'm up at five thirty normally. It just so happened the day that we scheduled that podcast. I definitely didn't get my ass out of bed and I take full responsibility for it. The I reasoning hope- for that was hysterical. Like I can't like we don't want like we don't need this guy, but it was just like fucking hilarious when you were like what you said like two hours after the fact. We were like, oh, <laughs> we're done. We we're like, yeah, we're done. And then you're like, oh, fuck me. And then you just <laughs> you told us what happened. I was just dying laughing. Well, I can say what happened. Like, oh, yeah, you can. But if you I really stopped want. smoking weed to fall asleep. And, and I've been really happy with that because I was dependent on weed for like the past six years because of insomnia. And I refused to take medication for it. So it was like, I'll just smoke my face off to sleep and I could fall asleep within five minutes versus six hours. Yeah, yeah. And well, it just so happened that night. I definitely didn't fall asleep. And all of a sudden at 3 a.m., I think it was 2 or 3 a.m., I decided, fuck this, I'm going to smoke some dope. So I grabbed my pen and I absolutely got extremely inebriated. And <laughs> it just so happened in the morning, I ended up sleeping through like three alarms. <laughs> and that was that. But uh, yeah, so here we are. Still happy to announce I'm not dependent on the dope anymore to sleep. So here we are. I'm a nice. changed man. My quality of sleep has went through the roof. Is it? Yeah, my, my aura ring tells me so. My length of sleep hasn't really changed, but the quality is very How very do you feel though? Like when you wake up in the morning, like do you incredible. actually notice a difference? Or... Yeah, incredible. you do. Yeah, I do. Um, I think I had just gotten so you and it's not like I felt bad before. I just feel a lot more energetic in the morning. Yeah. I uh I start to use a nose strip when I sleep, like a breathe right. I use I used it when I was was sick and it's actually incredible. I should maybe start using it more often. It's it's those things are like if you do it right, like those things are awesome. Like it just opens up everything and for some reason yeah. I'm zonked out. Like I am out and I wake up so yeah, I have a, I have a question for you though. Do you wake up with it still in your nose? Yeah. Cuz half the time I wake up with it fucking just hiding in my bed somewhere. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I do when I You got to you got to like clean you got to clean your nose first and make sure it's like dry before you put it on. Well, I do. I clean my face before I sleep usually. <laughs> no, no, but, it's, it's because you're you're too much of a sweaty man. Me too. Fuck, you're getting too hot, and then you it's probably yeah. Remember, up. I only oh, weigh. Remember, I only weigh hundred flips and shit while I'm sleeping and bouncing around my bed. I, remember, I still only weigh hundred seventy pounds. All right, I'm still coming out of my diet. Down. I also sleep like face down on my pillow. So. Oh yeah, that'll do it. Rubbing your face into it. Yeah. I got another food. I got another food bump t- this week. Nice. I know. I'm like, I got so I got something to share with you guys. Guess what? I woke up weighing this morning. Oh fuck! He's like two forty. I bet. Doesn't say two hundred and ninety. Fuck! I don't know. <laughs> like two forty. Are you two forty? Okay. So I told you guys how I I didn't take my shot of test there for two and a half weeks or whatever. Uh, I put it back in this week, and me and Cam wanted to see if we would come back up. Now, granted, I did have a free meal on Friday night, but my weight wasn't up a bunch yesterday. It was up a little bit, like two pounds. For some reason, I woke up this morning at 236 pounds when on Thursday of last week, I was literally 228 pounds. <laughs> That's been me, bro. I was 163 last week and I woke up at 169.8 in, in, like in a week. It. I like it. Bull mode engaged. So yeah. I, had a theory. I have a theory because 
when I met you, you know, like, I don't know how long ago that is, a couple of years ago now, um, you know, you were just kind of like a year out of your heart uh, issue. Yeah. Right. So you were taking things like super conservatively. Yeah. And I think you had even, when I met you, I think you maybe got as low and I'm, I'm maybe speculating, but like around 210 to 215, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was maintained. I maintained 210 for a long time. Okay. So that's perfect. So you were, you're on this 210 and I remember like being around you a little bit and being like, fuck, he's big, but like, you know, he's big. And then all of a sudden, as the fucking months started going on and you got healthier and you started, you know, you had to talk with your cardiologist and started to do some different plays with camps stuff. <laughs> your body is just fighting to go back to the homeostasis that you have. Oh, My yeah. suspicion is that you're not going to have to do anything crazy and you'll end up right back up at 245 or 250. That's exactly I, what I, I think. I don't think that being said, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> I also, it's, also, it's also crazy. It's also crazy to think about. Cause I, I look at when like the last time I was 250 and what I had to do to get there and what I have to do now to, to get to 235. And it's basically like nothing. Like, I'm just it's hard. literally nothing like yeah, it's nothing. Nothing. like i'm i look at it and like i don't want to sound arrogant in saying this but i'm like fuck i can't imagine I, I think i'd actually be able to get pretty damn big if i was actually going full throttle with things yeah agreed i mean I, I, i'll be completely transparent like i won't let myself get to 250 pounds i won't I, no. I, i'll no. tell you right now there's not a single fucking good thing for my body that that would do <laughs> <laughs> in terms of my heart and stuff like that would well, the be ego well your ego would feel good but yeah that's nothing else would feel yeah it'd be it'd be cool to see 250 on the scale but outside of that internally there's no way my body's like yeah i want to pump this much blood to this much body just yeah. just get to just hit 250 and then just do like a fasting day and then go back to it and then go then like just drop down calories just be like, once, okay, I I to like once i get to like 242 243 i'll just do a fucking insanely high sodium cheat meal day so I'll make it- <laughs> Just to snap a pick of the scale again. Yeah. At night, at night, it's not even the morning. You take it at night, and then you night and then time. you wait until the next morning. You're like, some extra telmasart in the next day. Maybe a couple aldactones, and then you're like two fifty fuckers. Just kidding. Don't anybody ever do that. I'm not doing never, that. Never I would just that. eat a whole box of uncrustables. Honestly, oh, yeah. what the hell is that? Oh, like you never. Do you know what uncrustables are? No. Oh, they're like they're like. Peanut butter, they're PB and J's that you find in like the frozen aisle, but they yeah, don't have any of the crust on them. Yeah, there's like cut off sound. It's like a circle, it's like a circle PB and J. It's fucking bangers. Hold on a second. So are you one of those weird guys that doesn't need the crust in your toast? No, no, no. It's just how they come, it's just how they come from the brand, Uncrustable. You better believe that when you come to visit, I'm making you a peanut butter and jam sandwich and cutting your crusts off. <laughs> don't do that. I want I I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like 200 pounds at that point. I need that crust, bro. If I don't get the crust, I'm gonna drop like four pounds. <laughs> so um everyone doing all right there. I'm assuming I'll probably be back to like 230 tomorrow. Yeah. I dropped down two pounds in a matter of a day. So so I kind of got disappointed. I was like hoping I'd keep going like this. <laughs> forever climbing just i would be like i was like i was texting my sister i was texting my uh my brother-in-law and i was like hmm, i'm already up 10 pounds i was like i could be 200 by january <laughs> i was like it's like that'd be fun i was like that'd be it that'd be bad i would be like i'd be like waterlogged buffalo 200 pounds <laughs> like maybe don't maybe don't put on 40 pounds in three months <laughs> no no try and try not to mark mark don't listen mark good thing mark doesn't listen to this like so, Mark, so <laughs> Mark will just drop you. <laughs> I got the bu- I got brownies in my fridge in my freezer now. So there's I turned 25 in two weeks. Fuck. 
Wow. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. Old man. Yeah, Welcome yeah. to the old man club. 25 graders old man club, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm growing the beard again. I like it. I yeah, like it's it. starting to get cold. I can't rock the mustache anymore. I'm going to get fat and it's just going to look bad. Maybe that's why you look different because of the beard. I look a little full. I mean, my cheeks are fuller. Oh, yeah. Your cheeks are definitely fuller. But... <laughs> All right. We got some. Do we have some good questions? Do we? Who wants to... Let's uh, let's kick this Q&A off. Let's do it. Dill? Dylan, you got it? Go ahead. Yeah, I do got one handy. I think I, I kind of want to hear you guys' uh, uh, take on this one here, too. Uh, which is, it was actually a, a sort of a supplement question, um, which I thought was pretty, pretty fun. Um, so it says, try to kidney supplement a few times. And uh, I think it was revived kidney, uh, based on the person I was talking to, but I can't quite remember. Um, bad fluid retention, uh, body in my body and distension in my core. Um, would this be an indication of anything in your guys' experience and where, where to start? And to be honest, I didn't know where to start. So I was like, oh, I, I haven't really seen that before. Uh, maybe one time, but I, I'm not confident in like spouting it as co correlation or causation. Um, so I wanted to see if you guys had any uh, e either anecdote or just um, thought processes around that. I've never seen, I've personally never, I've usually seen less water retention with the kidney, with adding in the kidney supplement, obviously. But yeah. I think it would come down to like, I had to see what else they're intaking, like what's their sodium intake and things like that. Like, I guess like that's where I would say things because I've seen, because I've seen, so Austin, my guy that is about to go into prep, he always had really bad fluid retention, like after his workouts. And I was like, hmm. and he'd always have really like, just like, he always looked a little watery and I was like wondering why and his, and for what he was doing in his job, his sodium and electrolyte balance wasn't to where it needed to be to actually yeah. have him. So he wasn't like flushing everything. So he's just like retaining on. So that's the only time I've ever seen it like actually happen is if someone's not keeping up with their electrolytes or they're, they could possibly be overhydrating where they're actually flushing out the electrolytes and it's not actually doing anything for them. Um, I've yeah. seen that happen like with my, even myself, like I've done that where if you don't consume, like just consuming water does nothing. Like it's one thing, like I put a little bit of salt in each thing of water that I do. Um, yeah. So, but I've never seen it with a kidney, kidney supplement before. Typically I see the opposite. Yeah. Um, so for me, I guess I want to think about like what could be the root, right? So That's what I was at, trying to think the, way, the way that I think about it is we have the uh, RAS system, like your yep. um, renioangiotensin aldosterone system, right? We know aldosterone is a large contributor to um, absorption or reabsorption of sodium and water. And yep. like when you, I'm thinking about it from like a diuretic perspective, right? So like you have, yep. you have your liver, which I believe I'm going off the top of my head right now, releases angiotensinogen, which then renin converts to angiotensin one. And then your angiotensin conversion enzyme, I believe converts to angiotensin two. Yeah. And then that affects your, adrenal gland which the adrenal glands are then releasing aldosterone which is going to affect the reabsorption of sodium and water at the kidney yep yeah so yep. for me the logic is if you're supporting the kidney well that means you're supporting the conversion from angiotensinogen to angiotensin one 
And then there needs to be the conversion to angiotensin two, which will then convert and the adrenal gland will release aldosterone. So I guess from a, I don't know what the, cause yeah, in theory, you would, you would expect that it would go the opposite direction. So yeah, that's a really tough one actually. Um, I'd have to look at his stress. Like there's too many, like you have to look at the biofeedback markers for this person. Like, one of the things that, one of the things that Anthony said that I would try um, is like swap out salt when you're salting meals for a half salt. That's basically a, a sodium yep. potassium blend, right? Because if, if that supplement is creating um, a hyper reabsorption of mm -hmm. sodium, now, if you can bias things in the opposite direction, where you have higher levels of potassium, which again, we know that sodium and potassium, right? There's, there's, in terms of fluid, it's going to change the way fluids are moving. If you bias potassium a little bit more, you may flush a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's a tough That's, one to answer. That's kind of the way I would look at it is through like that entire system. But I feel like I'd have to dig deeper to understand why that's happening. Cause I mean, bloods is going to tell you a lot too, right? Like if there is some sort of big um, glomerular filtration rate issue or kidney issue as a whole, well, yeah, just using some fucking astragalus fruit and these kind of things probably isn't going to solve the problem. Yeah. I yeah. Still don't know, I still don't know why it would make it worse though. I'm not you're covering I'm not, up. I'm, you're covering up something though. Like if you like if you want to put in like something like Telmazarden or something at that point, like it would be covering up something. And I'd have to look at this is where I would also look at his like a Dutch test, like a like a saliva test too, to kind of see at least what's his cortisol doing throughout the day. Because if your cortisol's through the roof too, you're activating that adrenal system, you're activating that aldosterone, which is gonna cause that reabsorption. So yeah, it's a big. There's loop, too right? many. Like, the there's too many. There's too many. There's, there's too a many lot of. Moving, there's a lot of moving parts within that loop from adrenal glands, kidneys, liver, etc. Right? There's so many different things that uh, I don't know if it can just be on a surface level. Say, hey, here's what you should do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what I would say is that the simplest fucking answer: stop taking that kidney supplement. Let's get some blood work done and see what's going on. Yeah, hit us up. Hit us up if you need to read. If you if, because if you don't need a kidney, if you don't need a kidney supplement, um, I don't know if this individual takes PDs or not. But if you don't need revived kidney, well, why are you taking it then? If your if your EGFR is really really good, all these things are very very good. Put it in on a needs basis. If things are great and this is causing this, well, stop taking it because something. It also could simply honestly be something we're overthinking here. It could be an intolerance to an ingredient in that specific blend that is causing some sort of inflammation that's causing them to hold water because we know that some people are, and, and it could honestly go as far as there might be gluten in the capsules and this individual might have a gluten intolerance. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of capsules that contain gluten. So like, there's so many different things. I don't know. I, I'm yeah. So uh, I, you kind of touched, I'll, I'll touch on this just a bit, but um, the only, like I agree with everything you guys said and, and the main point, which is like, I'm not, I don't know because we just don't know. There's not enough information. But the other thing I thought of as you guys were talking was, you know, I think there's um, bioperin and estrogen in that product, which are absorption ingredients that mm -hmm. help um, absorb just more efficiently in simple yep. terms through lower GI. But those can cause lower GI inflammation in some people do have sensitivities to those ingredients because bi bioperin is a, uh, a pepper extract, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it does, it can cause that for some people. I have seen that and I didn't even think about it till right now. 
just because I was thinking astralagus only. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just in my head, I was just thinking of the functional uh, aspects of that product. And I was like, oh yeah, but the caps, the some of the other I'm things. Species within there that like it could be an intolerance to one small thing even at a small dosage like it could yeah. be like a dye like in the cat yeah. like it literally could yeah. be that so yeah it could be, could be a few different things so anyway that's that's great we kind of touch base on it and uh hope, hopefully that helps and uh if if the person is listening to this and they want to dive in further you know just shoot any of us a message and do our best all right i guess i'll go next do you guys have any history of working with people with eating disorders lots yeah um yeah i can i can touch on this a little bit i do and i'll just be completely transparent especially because like for me now i'm more working with competitive athletes um and i mean she's spoken about it a lot lately so i don't think it's wrong for me to speak about it one of my pros um came to light i didn't really know about it beforehand before we prepped and anything it came to light after the prep that she had an eating disorder and during her reverse diet some of these things were coming back during prep it was fun there was no issues but it was during a reverse diet that things started to come back um because that that carrot in front of your face is gone now right yeah. so it's really to resort back to old habits um so we had some good conversations and some of our conversations you know what i, I think we probably should have hopped on a phone call because there were some misconvoluted messages and things going a way that we didn't neither one of us wanted to go but it was just not being spoken in the way that need to be understood right yeah. so we had a really good conversation about it. We got her set up. We made some changes to the way she does things. But where I'm going with this is for me, I have absolutely. I've worked with a vast, a vast variety of people with eating disorders. Now, I'll be completely transparent. Bodybuilding itself is a walking fucking eating disorder. Yeah. Extreme restriction, extreme feeding. Um, you name these things, right? We we create really bad tendencies within ourselves. What do a lot of bodybuilders do? We starve ourselves or we say very, very strict to food sources and then we get the opportunity to have a free meal and we go off the fucking wall i'm guilty of it i don't really do it anymore because i realize that it's not obviously healthy in some regards but eating bodybuilding in itself can essentially be a, a walking eating disorder now at the same time here's the way i approach this is you've hired me to do a fucking job you've literally hired me to put you on a diet you've hired me to get you into extreme shape you've hired me to do all these things so for me i really don't take on people with active eating disorders anymore. Yeah. I tell people, if you have an eating disorder and you want to bodybuild, you need to make sure that eating disorder is dealt with first. And you need to make sure that you do trial runs. And we can do that together where we go through deficits and so forth, where you're not going to be triggered to go back to those habits. Because if you are, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a specialist that deals with that. I'm not going to pretend I am. A lot of people need mental help on that side and therapists and stuff to get over some of these things. And, and a lot of work can be required from whereas some are, some are very minor and some are very, very major. Right. So um, I've worked with anorexia, bulimia, bulimia. I've worked with uh, binge eating disorder athletes and I have tried to play the hero card and solve these things in the past myself um, successfully and unsuccessfully. Mm -hmm. For me, it's just, it's not, something that I'm technically in, in a sense um, licensed per se yeah. or legally allowed to do. If somebody comes to me and says, I have an eating disorder, I want to compete. My response to them is get a professional, get help. Come to me when you know you can go through an extreme diet 
or go through this because as far as I'm concerned, you want to step on stage. I'm not putting you on macros and letting you choose what foods to eat and, and have this instead of that or cake because you only have 80 grams of carbs a day. So you're going to eat rabbit food, right? Like that's eating disordered eating. So that's my opinion. And uh, I actually got asked this exact same question. It's funny, probably was the same individual potentially. Um, and somebody just very recently um, was having a conversation with me and she wanted to hire me and she had actually signed up previously for a year with a coach. So she couldn't at the time. And uh, then she messaged me and asked if I had ever worked with anybody with eating disorders. And I said, I have, and I told her exactly what I just said, but I don't really take them on it unless they're dealt with uh, at the time. It's not my job to fix that. Um, and basically she told me that the way her coach had gone about this prep um, was extremely restrictive from day one, very, very low calories, very high cardio. And it caused her to go back to those things, right? And that's what I don't want to do as a coach. Um, so that's where I say to people, like, I want you to come to me in a position where you're recovered. Um, and I've actually had it with athletes that I say to them, hey, this is something that we got here. You told me you had this disorder. You were healed. But we're starting to see these same things come up. And I'm happy that you're able to talk to me about it and you're confident to talk with me about it. But this is to the point that we need to get you some help again. Let's take a break. Go do what you need to do. And you have a spot on my roster when you come back. And that same person came back. And they were, I don't want to say fix, because I don't think it's something we fix. Yeah. They were able to handle it better. And they had a control of it where we were able to move forward. So, yeah, that's me. That's my answer. I'll say, this, I'll say the same thing. Um, Where it's not. I would say you should go see a registered dietitian here in the United States. Go see one. Um, I've yeah. sent people off to that. I personally am not comfortable like dealing like I've like I've had I've had people on my roster that have recovered from from things, but I make sure that there is at least a professional on the in like the space that I'm working with them, like still on hand. So if we are working through things, like there's there's always a second person like involved in those situations. Um, but I don't take anyone on with an active, with an active one, just because that's not my place. That's beyond my scope. If I was a registered dietitian, I would say absolutely, but I'm not. So, and in the United States, that's, that's, that's the boundary there. So for me, it's a pretty short answer that I won't, I won't do it if it's an active one, just from, just from a perspective, professional and legal aspect. Well, like, and, and the one thing that I briefly touched on, and sorry, Dale, I'll let you pipe in. I didn't mean to steal a show here. Um, if you hire me again, it goes back to me wanting to work with competitive athletes who are stepping on stage, right? So if in the back of my head, I know that I have to walk on eggshells through this prep because you have an eating disorder and I can't trigger that. So now I can't push you as hard as I might need to push you to get you on stage to where you need to be. We have 275 pound bodybuilders and I'm not joking you. I just trained with one three weeks ago who's doing the Olympia and his diet was five ounces of white fish per meal. And he had two carb meals that were 125 grams of rice. If you understand how much carbs that is, it's absolutely nothing for a 275 pound open male bodybuilder at the Olympia level. Now you can imagine what maybe a 110 pound bikini girl might need. And some, I've had Nikki and, and even Tessa eat large amounts of food going into shows, but I've also had girls in 800 calories doing two hours of cardio. If you tell me that you don't think being on 800, 900 calories of cardio for weeks 
and doing an hour and a half to two hours of cardio is going to potentially trigger your eating disorder, you're insane. It is absolutely going to. And my goal is to win. My goal is to get you on stage to win. If I can't make those plays to get you to win because I'm walking on eggshells, scared that I'm going to get you back to a place we don't want to go, you have no business competing right now. And that's the way I look at it. And you won't be on my dime and it won't be on my watch because I can't bring myself to do that to you and put you in that situation. Yeah, I, I agree with everything the boys said here. Uh, for me, um, I have worked with it a little bit more, I think, because I suffered from these things myself, obviously a life of obesity, right from obesity, right to natural bodybuilding competitions where I basically did the diet that Braden just said multiple times many years in a row, uh, you know, 900 calories, thousand calories, two hours of cardio to become a 138 pound bodybuilder. You know, it's like a, it's, it's quite the interesting experience. So, uh, you know, a lot of those things I thought that I had tackled at one point, it showed me that they don't really go away. You just learn to manage them better per se. And that seems to be the case with most psychological ailments and, and um, you know, body image and things like that. Unfortunately, you just get better at dealing with it. It's not so much that it goes away. <clears throat> the second thing I would say is, um, I think there's a fine line between disordered thinking and eating disorders. Yes. I think it gets um, uh, sort of misconstrued in translation a lot of the time. Um, you know, when I get talking to people and, and a lot of the times people have actually done some of the work to heal, but they don't trust themselves to actually do it. So for instance, uh, you know, if I have an, a lifestyle athlete who's tracking macros and, uh, and all of a sudden I start asking them like, Hey, maybe their digestion's off. And I'm like, Hey, can you tell me a little bit about like how you're having your meals? And then I find out they're eating like 60% of their calories an hour before bed. Well, I know exactly why someone does that. It's because they're scared that at nighttime, if they don't satiate themselves to the extreme, they'll get hungry. The hunger will cause a binge. So they're, it's actually coming from a good place. But a lot of the times when you can just tell someone like, hey, I understand why you're doing this. But at some point, you have to trust yourself. Yeah. Like we've been talking about this. We've You've put in the habits. For something to change, you actually have to fucking change. So yes. you have to, let's try flipping this on its head. And if your whole day falls apart, I don't care if you message me 40 times tomorrow. Take, take that meal you had for, for your last meal, put it in your first one. Just do it. Just do it and see. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people, that is like me curing them. Yeah. Because all it takes is one time or two times for them to see like, oh, fuck, I didn't die. And I didn't do the thing I thought. And, you know, all this type of thing. And that creates positive emotion to carry forward. It's a little bit different if someone was to come to me and say like, hey, I'm really struggling with bulimia right now. Three times a day after my meals, I'm purging. That's something I'm going to be out on. Yeah, Whether or yeah. not I think I can help them is a different question. The qualifications aren't there and, and just the, the job scope is not there. You know, yeah. um, yep. it's, it's, we need to get you with a professional. And there's honestly, I've learned too that bodybuilding uh, does attract uh, these type of, obviously, like Braden said, this physique development can be a walking mm -hmm. disordered thinking. So it's important to learn how to manage that thinking. I think I, think, uh, I agree with that too. And, and I'm really glad you said that because I think there's been a trend towards people just using eating disorder as an umbrella term. Me and too. like eating disorders are a real serious thing. Just because your uh, hunger padding, patterning is and signaling is fucked up because of a contest prep or something like that, doesn't mean you have a disorder eating. Yes, you're starving all the time. You don't have an eating disorder. Your hormones are fucked up because you just underwent an extreme diet, right? There's a lot of different situations that I think people like to umbrella under disorder eating. And that's where it's important to get on a call with somebody like Dylan said and, and figure out whether it's actually just um, yeah. a psychological thing 
that you can push somebody to overcome or whether it's actually disordered eating. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. But again, it's it's almost become a really, really cool thing to talk about, I want to say. And uh, I, I don't even like saying that because I don't want to discount anybody who actually has an eating disorder because it is, a, like you said, a serious ailment. And yeah. I, I wish everybody does get the help they need to, to overcome those things. But uh, realizing that, what is this actually disordered eating? Or is this uh, a pattern of thought that is causing me to make decisions that I don't like the outcome of? Yeah. So I would say, I would say that actually most coaches, most coaches, and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but are getting um, the former where um, almost nobody with any sense in their head that is struck. Cause I've actually struggled with these things. I never once thought when I was having bulimic episodes or, you know, uh, basically anorexic tendencies where I would basically starve myself and justify using some other means of what, what benefit it was providing. Um, I would never, I would never thought like, oh man, look at that Braden Miller guy on Instagram. I'm going to hire that fucking guy. He's going to help me with that shit. Like yeah. it's, it's like, it's no way. Right. So people that are, are hiring us most of the time have disordered thinking and they know they have disordered thinking, not necessarily disordered eating. And they are coming to us because they know that there's probably a chance that we can give them some tools and, and aids to help them get over that. Some people just uh, it's difficult. So some people don't always do it, but it, it's, it's very, very, uh, it's, it's something that can be learned to be managed, I think. Yeah. And, and I think too, going back to, well, we can continue on for this question, but like for the example of the one athlete who messaged me about her current situation with her coach, like there, there's a lot of people that if you're starved on 800 calories for 16 weeks straight are probably going to have a binge episode. You know what I mean? Like, of course, like your body's you don't, have, you don't have binge eating disorder at that time. You've just you been have- extremely extremely dieted to the point that you're starving all the time and you had a moment of weakness and you let it you let it go right like suddenly you don't walk around with this label of yeah eating disorder over your head right that's not who you are like you you had a moment of weakness per se and that's okay now let's bounce back from that let's figure out a way to move forward um and let's get you with a coach who's not going to just starve you on 800 calories for 16 weeks straight End of the yep. end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, cool. Uh, I have a question, and uh, so I like this one. Hit us. This one's about drugs. Uh, <laughs> and I actually had a I just like how he prefaced that. He's like, just about drugs. <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody about this this week. This is why I chose this question because it came up, and I don't know. This was off one of the uh, NGL boxes, and I don't know if it was uh, the same person or, or what it was, but. Um, you guys can tap in here and then I'll put it in my thoughts in. So um, why do people say that Masteron and Primabolin are the same? Are they actually the same? Uh, no, they're not the same. No, they're not the same. <laughs> I, I can't tell because you're smiling and I'm like, this is a trick question. <laughs> well, no, I, think, I understand. I understand what they're saying. Are they the same in terms of like they're both DHT derivatives you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the results they might produce. A lot of people think they're like, well, why would I use? I see. I see. I could use Primo or why would I use Primo when I could use Masteron? And like the conversation that I had with an individual who's very smart, um, he doesn't like using the two together. And I'll explain why I actually see a value to use the two together. And in, in when I go to my side of things, but he basically said he doesn't see value to it. I see. Um, and th- that's not a wrong method of thinking because him anecdotally hasn't really seen changes in a physique, right? Like you look at something like NPP you're going to get a large amount of volume to a physique. It's very good at driving volume within a physique. Yeah. 
So I think this person is asking like, are, are Primo and Master on displaying the same thing? That's I the way I took this question. Yep. Maybe maybe I had a bias based on the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I could take a stab. So no, they're not they're not the same thing really at all. Um, they they do have overlapping uh, you know tendencies and interactions. Let's say you know it's like both being DHT derivatives. Um, Prima Bolin is actually a little bit harder to find. I would say in a in a like a, a quality air quoting this for anyone that's uh, listening but like real source um you know a lot of the times it's it's uh, highly faked um and it, it should be a little bit more expensive so that's kind of one of the ways you can tell if you're probably getting uh real premobolin is it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive than uh, you know not much but 10 15 20 percent more than some of the other compounds um some people seem to like in the anecdote uh either on myself or um just just with clients uh, I actually do use them together. I see a benefit to using them together. Um, I actually, something I kind of picked up from brain and uh, saw it on myself and then other people. Um, usually the anecdote, the, the part I would like to spend a little time on, the, the biggest difference is honestly in the anecdote. And I don't know why that is. So like sometimes, you know, I got, I got I've, I've used, um, you know, a client will say like, okay, let's put some Primo on top of your TRT protocols. And they love it. They tell me like, I feel great. Um, you know, pomps and fullness are great. Some people I've put in as little as, you know, one to 200 megs of premium and then they tell me like, I'm not feeling that good. And this wasn't a sourcing issue, you know, because it's just not. And uh, it's like, okay, so that, that maybe is not a drug that's interacting well with you. You know, we see BP just kind of weirdly go up weirdly, like BG might shoot up resting heart rate. You flip that out for Mastron and you find that, oh, wow, like fullness is driving you know, uh, physique's getting tighter. And I've actually had that completely the opposite where Mastron wasn't the one of choice for said individual and had to flip it out. So that's where independent cycle design comes in. in, in my opinion, I think it's something that we all focus on and it's missed in the industry because I think a lot of people just take what their bro coach gave them before, pass it down the line, like a family heirloom. <laughs> now, like everyone's getting like this sheet with these drugs on it over yeah. time. Like you get these ones and these amounts, no matter who you are, Dylan Braden Spade, to get the same shit. Um, yeah, and I think that uh, that also, I think that total androgens in general matters a lot, and um, prima bolin is a lot, uh, it's a lot less dense per milligram per milliliter. So it's you know like you can find um, other drugs that are you know 200, 300 megs per, per per milliliter of product. Most of the time, um, guys stop using primo or mastron not because of its effectiveness, but because of the shot frequency and injection that like a larger bodybuilder may be using if you're trying to get to a higher dosage of yeah. total. So yeah. yeah, they're, they're not definitely not the same, completely different chemical drugs, um, but they have some of the same sort of family traits. I'll leave it at that and see if the other boys have something to add to that. I mean, that's, that's what I was going to say for the majority of it. I was like, you're pushing, you're pushing the DHT derivative for a reason. You're pushing it for more androgens over estrogen, estrogenic properties there. Um, so that's where I would use both though, is if you want to maximize that, that's where I would use both with, with testosterone as the base there. Um, but it's like Dylan said, it's pretty hard to source actual Primo. <laughs> like, like that's like probably the most difficult part of it. Whereas Masteron, you're most likely going to get your Masteron, um, there. So you just got to be kind of careful with what you're, what you're picking and choosing, um, Dill's right too with the with the shot frequency to typically find it in like 100 milligrams per ml for primo 
that's quite a lot when you're when you're thinking about how many shots you're gonna have to take to actually get a for what would be a reasonable primo dose effective um a lot of people find effective i mean seen anywhere from what 300 to like 700 for a lot of people somewhere in that range so talking about anywhere from three to seven mls <laughs> of, of of liquid that you're gonna have to shoot in and oil you're gonna have to shoot in so it's kind of like you're kind of playing that card there um they're very similar but they're also very different so it just depends i would preferably like to use primo when growing when having someone grow um just because i've seen that better response but masteron I mean, Masteron has its place too, uh, when it comes down to it. So um, that's all I know. I don't have too much. I don't have too much antidote in terms of things. This is kind of just for me learning, learning everything. So I don't want to like say anything, be say too much else because I don't have that anecdotal of using it with with athletes or or self experience. Yeah, I I agree with <clears throat> both you guys, and I'll kind of give my train of thought now and i'll kind of expand on the conversation i had with this other individual um i actually really like programming them both together especially in, in certain individuals um and this kind of goes back to a guy that i like to pick on a little bit but i also like a lot of his stuff victor black um because i know he's said before that um I, I believe he said before that mastron actually isn't good at, at managing estrogen too much and it doesn't actually lower estrogen um, I would add, I would definitely argue that anecdotally, and I can tell you that myself. I'm somebody who aromatizes at a very, very high rate. Um, and I did use anti-estrogens and, and um, anti-aromatase drugs when I was competing and stuff. And I bet you I would, I, I would argue I'd be healthier if I was writing my own cycles now than I was then because I, I'm really not a fan of AIs. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact when I used, used Masteron, I had to use less AIs in any cycle that I ever used. Um, and that's just, again, I pay attention to patterns. This stems over to when I'm, when I'm writing protocols for athletes. Um, I think that Masteron has a very, very good usage in managing um, estrogen cascades and, and estrogenic side effects and um, the things you're going to get from that. Now it's all also obviously a, an anabol or an androgen and it's going to bias protein expression, right? So it's going to help build tissue. Is it going to build more tissue milligram for milligram than some other drugs? Probably not. Um, is it a shitty drug? No, because we just said that it can really help with managing estrogen very well, right? So if somebody, if you're pushing somebody's testosterone higher and there's somebody who aromatizes at a high rate, well, it's not really healthy to just continue to drive test higher and then start hammering them with AIs. So what if we can offset and we can drive that androgen load higher by pushing Masteron higher, or this is where the flip side comes in, pushing Primabolin higher, because Primabolin is not gonna aromatize at the same rate like something like testosterone will. And Primabolin in itself is actually gonna be a greater driver of growth, or um, what's the term I used for Masteron? Protein expression yeah. than Masteron is. So when you look at the two drugs, they're both going to drive protein expression. One is going to drive protein expression higher, AKA you're going to grow more off this drug, but one is going to manage estrogen better than the other. So you have two properties, one in each drug that outshines the other. So now you put these two drugs in together. Let's say you started with a base of test and Primo and somebody started to have some estrogenic side effects. Instead of just pushing that Primo higher or that test higher or putting an AI in, now we can put Masteron in. 
we can still drive the anabolic load up a little bit to buy us better growth, but we're also going to manage the estrogen better. Now, anecdotally, what are you going to see? You might see less water retention on the physique and a little bit harder look. Um, that can be very beneficial. Again, maybe you're going to push the primo higher at the same time. You're going to get more growth out of that, but you're able to control things a little bit better and really manage things. So I actually am a huge fan of using them together for this reason, and that would be why. Um, and I'm just a fan of Bastron for that reason alone. Yep. If somebody's having issues with conversion to estrogen, well, we can pull test down and drive Mastron up. You can have a total a total anabolic load of let's say 700 milligrams, but it doesn't have to be 500 test 200 Mastron. It could be 200 test 500 Mastron, right? Like at the end of the day, your anabolic load is still your anabolic load there. And if one is going to uh, allow you to not use an AI to the same degree, well, that's going to be beneficial for your health long-term. And if that's beneficial for your health long-term, I'd argue that's beneficial for your progress long-term. Me too. Even short-term, a healthier physique will look 100%. better than a wash load on estrogen, right? So and that's... I think, uh, Dill, you might know a lot about this too. Um, I believe that Masteron is a little tougher on the neurological side of things than Primobolin is. is. So again, harder on the lipids too. Yeah, I, I, so you look at you look at that alone, and okay, well, does this person? Well, you just said lipids. Does this person have lipids that tend tend to trend a little bit higher? Well, I'm, I'm going to bias primobolin, right? Yeah. Is this somebody who neurologically has some issues? Well, if that's the case, I'll probably bias primo because Mastron might push them over the top. Same thing with the usage of like a a 19 nor or an NPP or something, right? So. Like we're Dylan, kind of just describing my cycle design, right? It's like exactly like this. This comes back to exactly what Dylan said about an individual basis picking the drug for the individual, <laughs> not just picking a drug because you know this drug works. That's why and, I have a hard time sometimes answering these questions, right? Because like looking at myself, the way we did my cycle design, it's like to be honest, you know, in the past, um, if it was just like looking at my physique and looking at my performance on a week to two to three week basis, NPP is a great play. But my neurology takes a beating after yeah. three to four weeks and I can barely keep my shit together. So it's yeah. like, well, that that is not going to help me in the long term. Right. So we had to cycle design around the things that I had going on. Yeah. Right. No different than you said you would if someone's, you know, very poor lipids, you're not going to use maybe Mastron or, or another promoter as the main main growth promoter. So it's just like asking drug questions. It's like, well, here's what they do. And do you need that? we've talked about how hard trust trust alone are meant hammers estrogen right? right imagine putting that into somebody who can barely handle 300 milligrams of test without aromatizing and you're like well right. trust alone is the drug because it really it hits hard and you're going to grow a yeah. lot well yeah you're going to grow tits too and that's <laughs> a fair point you know just individual <laughs> individual cycle design between me and Braden. Braden aromatizes a little harder he was able to push my test pretty high and then add Trestalone at the end of the cycle design. And I mean, I put on some water, but like, I didn't have any, I don't, I don't estrogenize that easy. You know, I don't, I don't uh, convert that easy. So it's, it's, everyone's a little bit different. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and like, that's where this actually goes back to the conversation I was having with this individual before this question came up. Um, they actually believe that Prima and really helps them manage their estrogen good. So they don't look uh, something like Masteron. And, and again, that's individual. 
I might personally argue that and say, well, your primo might actually be masked, which I think is what a lot of people are doing when you talk about these UGLs. Me, me too, yeah. <laughs> or it's test, or it's test. I've seen, I've heard a lot of it where people will fake primo. Yeah, I, I would argue, I would argue it's more so Mastron because Mastron's not going to aromatize, right? Whereas if you put in just primo and somebody wanted to see just primo and they ran primo at 700 megs and that's test and there's somebody who aromatizes, they could argue this ain't fucking primo because I'm getting very high estrogenic sides. Whereas you use yeah, mascaron, yeah. it is tough to di differentiate at that point, right? It, it definitely yeah. is. So I think that might be one of the reasons said individual feels like their their primo uh, really helps them. It might be like, hey, well, actually, your primo is probably mass. So actually, mass does a hell of a job of that for you. Yeah. But I don't know. It, you can't really say, right? Unless you're actually testing the product. Um but yeah, that's my that was my answer to that question. I just thought it was a pretty cool question because I had literally a conversation earlier in the week about it, and it very that's well may have been. That do we do we have one that does Amy have a quick hitter like one that we can get in like two minutes? If not, uh, if not, we'll save. If not, we'll do this as a part one. I know we have. I know each of you guys. Have I, have a, I have a quick. I have a quick hitter that we could all probably Great. do a one minute answer for. Cool, cool. Yeah. Let's do it. What is the best training split? Does it matter? No, <laughs> fuck me. There is no best training split. There Amen. is none. Find what works for you and train the fuck out of it. That's, That's it. it. The intensity That's in the gym matters. The amount of times I have to say this yes. is stupid. Train hard. That's why, that's why this is right. a quick one. We're all going to have the same answer. Train now. hard and eat right. That's it. It's, it's it. And sleep. <laughs> you know, no, I've gotten... Uh, go, go ahead. ahead go ahead, Dylan. Go ahead. Uh, so I'll try to answer this very quickly. The answer is no, it doesn't really matter that much. Volume, effort, and consistency equated over time. I will say, though, that um, sort of just like working with a variety of people over the last six months, I've gotten very creative. And I've done things that I wouldn't have done in the past. Um, just okay. trying to get out of my own way, removing my own biases. Like, for instance, um, I, I have a client who just doesn't like leg day, basically. And it's like, you know, they, they work they, on their feet a lot, walking all the time at work and they dread these leg days. And I thought, why don't I just give them upper body days with like two leg exercises or three sprinkled in every single training day so that they don't have to feel that soreness, that lactic acid, all that, all that tension build up, all that stuff, but we're still equating volume intensity, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, we're seeing better growth off of that. But like, when I look at that split, it kind of looks goofy to me. Like I would never do it. Right. So in the past, I might not have even programmed it because I would just think like, oh, well, that's fucking weird. But guess what? Weird shit works when people put in the work. 100%. I, I agree. I think uh, I've made some really wild training splits in terms of like, what does this person need? And from a bodybuilding yeah. perspective, what does this person need? Yeah. Um, well, normally I'm not going to tell somebody to train a body part three days a week. But if I understand somebody's recovery is high, you might be training that body part three days a week and it might be combined with another body part that is not really a, a focus point for us. Right. And, and it can only be hit a small amount during the week. Cause we'll hold on to it. Um, more importantly, what it comes down to is what you guys touched on volume, intensity, and consistency. You nail those things. You can progress on any training split. And now if you're talking about bodybuilding spends, you probably need to buy a certain body parts for your specific category. Then a training split might matter. But if you don't have the intensity down and your volume is not, adequate or it's over it's it's way too much that train splitting gonna fucking matter so right. even if you're a bodybuilder and you're sp making specific training programs for a specific body part to bring up if your intensity or volume are there 
throw that training split out the window and work on figuring out your intensity and your your volume first and, and being consistent with those things and actually just your your exercise mechanics because I'll, I'll tell you what learning to isolate a muscle and, and train a muscle is going to be much more beneficial for bringing up a legging body part than training that muscle shitty or wrong two to three times a week will be yep. correct and that was a quick answer there we go i knew it would be a quick one <laughs> awesome well we'll definitely do we'll definitely hit some more questions next week we'll we'll do a little bullshitting and then we'll answer a few of the questions that we still have yeah. left so boys keep your sure. questions around um if you guys if you guys enjoyed this episode as always subscribe to the podcast on apple and spotify go go watch us on spotify too we do have video on there um Go give us a go share on Instagram if you guys found any of these answers pretty enlightening or you learned anything from today. Um, go follow us on Instagram. All of our Instagrams are in are in the show notes. Go over to Miller Elite website and sign up for our coaching. We all have spots open, so go apply for coaching. If you guys are interested, we're right around the holiday time. No better time to get started than now, actually, to learn some good habits prior to January 1st. So get a head start for 2023. Other than that, boys. Catch you guys later. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. See you guys later.